Wait for it. There's no need to wait, geeks. We are back. This is the Active Geek Podcast with your hosts, Jim and Chuck. And Chuck, we, we said it, I believe, the last episode, but I don't think a lot of people knew that our tagline was the ultimate fandom. Yeah. And that was from like day one when we had a real weird website that looked like a MySpace page when we <laughs> were recording in my extra bedroom and just putting our my phone on a table and just talking to it. That was the tagline, the slogan of Active Geek Productions. But we're back, man. It's another episode. It's another Wednesday. Very excited about this episode. It is a history lesson and maybe a dust off your history lesson, if, if you get yeah. what I'm saying. You're, we're talking Milestone Comics, a comic company from the 90s that had a very short shelf life, but the characters are legendary. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but we do have some trailers. No news this week. We're going to save all the news for next week. We have th- four trailers. Yeah. I almost said three. We have four trailers because the big game, we're not allowed to say the two words because if we monetize, we'll lose money. But we got four trailers, two of which from Disney, one from Universal, and then we got an M. Night Shyamalan trailer. So let's start first off by saying the big game last Wednesday or last the big game on Sunday, it was rumored that Disney was going to drop five trailers. Yeah. You and I texted back and forth, probably from our living rooms or our bedrooms, depending on where we were watching. And we we're like, well, where the hell are these trailers? Because we got one in the game, one before the game. And then we got a Disney plus trailer. So maybe that was the one that we were supposed to get. And uh, we didn't get the other two. Very disappointing. Yeah, I was I was expecting Black Widow. You I know you were looking for the Eternals. Shang Chi would have been great. Nothing, not I, one thing. Even Warner Brothers, they didn't throw anything at us either. Now we saw a lot of promotion for Clarice and the Equalizer. Yeah, and the Paramount Network. Yeah, like, I don't care about Crank Anchors. Yeah, I don't care about Snooky. They promoted the hell out of those three um, commercials. It was like every other break, it was Equalizer or Paramount or Clarice. Clarice. And I'm like, I felt like I seen like Clarice and um, the Equalizer. I felt like I seen the whole sh- first episode already. I w- actually watched the first episode of the Equalizer because I was couldn't find the remote. <laughs> and it was okay. It wasn't what I was expecting. I have no interest in following it. After that, Clarice, on the other hand, does look pretty good. Yes, I, I plan uh, on watching that. I want to know more about Buffalo Bill. I think that's the only reason why I'm interested. Yeah. Cause, because Buffalo Bill is still in it, and it looks super dark and kind of gruesome and graphic, and that's right up my alley. But let's get to the, the most important part. I don't know why we're just rambling about Clarice. This episode <laughs> is not sponsored by Viacom in any way, although if they want to, I'm sure we can produce better content than their current comic book website, but... Let's uh let's start with Disney. Right before the trailer, or right before the game, they introduced us to a new trailer. I think it's trailer three or four for Raya and the Last Dragon. Yeah. March 5th, coming out, Dis- Disney Plus, premiered access, so $30 price point. It's also coming out in theaters, depending on if theaters are open where you're at. What do you think of this little 30-second uh, snippet we got for uh, Raya and the Last Dragon? I mean, it looks good. Uh, the animation looks great. I like the concept. And it didn't really show a whole lot. So, in my eyes, that's good. 
because it yeah. feels like I didn't see the whole movie in one trailer. But yeah, I'm I actually want to see it. I honestly think that this looks amazing. Yeah. The only thing when they announced it, I was like, please don't show the dragon. Because I want that moment to hit the screen and we finally see the dragon and you get super excited. And I didn't feel that way. And it kind of, when I saw the design of the dragon, I was like, ugh, I don't really like this type of dragon. But it is Aquafina, so you have to really throw her to the front of the screen. I know your feelings on Miss Miss Fina. But uh, I thought the trailer was good. I like that they, they capitalized on more of Tuk Tuk. Yeah. I think that that character is 100% set up for every single toy. It's going to be the next Baby Yoda uh, if Baby Vision doesn't take over for it. I'm excited about this. March 5th, I'm going to watch it. I paid for Mulan. I'm going to pay for this. Hopefully, it's better than Mulan because Mulan was cinematically beautiful but wasn't the Mulan I was hoping for. But I was excited for this trailer. I'm looking forward to it. I love the storyline. I love that they're creating a new world. This is going to be perfect in 20 years for a new Disney World attraction when they expand to, I don't know, the next town over in Orlando once they buy every city in Florida. This is going to look great in Disney World, but I'm very excited about that. Then there came a trailer, again, right before the game, for a movie that I know you are. Go to the theaters every time this franchise comes out. Your family's all about it. I don't. I've lost the the appeal for it, but that's Fast Nine. So I'll let you have the floor on the next chapter in the Dom Toretto saga. Yeah, my wife is a huge fan, so she loves going every time it comes out in the theater. I've seen them all. We have them all. We didn't really see much of this trailer because they showed a lot in the last Super Bowl trailer from last year. Yeah, remember that. <laughs> um. So. It's the only trailer that came out two years in a row. That's just like, can you imagine? That's like $10 million on a trailer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they were like $5.5 million for a Yeah, because cause, uh, a lot of the trailers last year, movies didn't come out. You know, they did Black Widow. And what was the other big one? Jungle Cruise. And yeah. that's sitting on the shelf right now. So when they did the Fast Fear, it's like, it looks okay. I mean... It's kind of getting old. They're going to space. Is it this one or the next one? I think it's the next one, Fast 10 in space. Yeah. Uh, you know Elon Musk is going to be in it. He's got to be in it. It, it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And that's like the right word. You know what? They're, they're not great movies. They're not good movies. No. But, you know, if you're looking for a popcorn flick and, like, mindless storyline and great action, that's a movie for you. Yeah, I kind of feel like the Fast and the Furious saga, and full disclosure, I've seen them all, and I've seen most of them in theaters. I've actually seen one with you. I feel like if the Cars Disney Universe yeah. had drivers in it and got live-action movies, it would be Fast and the Furious and, like, Tom's Lightning McQueen. This, it's it's ridiculous, yeah. but they're money makers. They're 100% money makers. No, they make ridiculous amount of money. Now, when you went to Universal last month, did you go on the ride? Yeah. Yes, yeah, super disappointing. Awful, right? Like, oh yeah the the entrance of getting to the ride is better than the ride itself. Yeah, like when you were going through the yeah. garage and stuff. And Universal should just stick to Harry Potter. Yeah, because the rest of the parks, rest of the rest of the attractions besides their their Marvel Land, which who knows they might lose that. The rest of the, the park sucks. Yeah, although that King Kong 
ride looks pretty awesome. I didn't get a chance to ride it yet, but that looks dope. It wasn't bad. If if you like simulators, Universal is a place for you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Everything's in front of a screen. But as far as this trailer goes, the moment where I was like, yep, this is a Fast and Furious trailer, is when the car got magnetized and pulled through, drifted through a building. Yeah. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. I've had enough. I've had enough of it already. I thought when they used the submarine in the, what, like two or three ones ago, I thought that was ridiculous. And they just keep coming up. Like, I think they literally sit there was like, what are the most ridiculous stunt that we can do? I feel like the writer's room is a bunch of guys with matchbox cars and the ramps, like the Hot Wheel ramps, and just seeing what they can do. Yeah. Or they're playing like Grand Theft Auto. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, this we can do this in Grand Theft Auto. We can do this in the movies. Yeah, it's like it, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm already angry. I'm already angry about this. Let's go to the craziest trailer of the entire game, and it's 30 seconds of pure joy. Uh, it's old. A story that yeah. I did not know was based off of a graphic novel called Sandcastle by Pierre Oscar Levy and Frederick Peters and old stars Gael Garcia Bernal, Vicky Crepes, Rufus Sewell, Ken Leung, Nikki Amoko Bird, Abby Lee, Aaron Pierre, Alex Wolf, Embeth Davids, Eliza Scanlon, Emon Elliott, Kathleen Shalfont, and Thomason McKenzie. So all of those people, I'm sure everybody who's listening knows every single actor that I just named. <laughs> what what did you think of this uh, next chapter in the M. Night Shyamalama verse? I thought it looked weird and creepy. You know, uh, his movies are always mysterious. And when he said he was filming a movie called Old, I was like, all right, what is this about? Uh, and then they posted a post or um, a poster a couple months ago. And With it was the bodies going through the hourglass. Yeah. yeah. And now we got. With the trailer, a uh, little clarification about kind of what it is. It looks like you're on this beach and you age rapidly. And you give birth quickly. Yeah. It's WandaVision. Like the one, the little boy was like, mommy, my shorts are tight. And then like <laughs> six minutes. That's a whole other conversation. Six minutes later, Alex Wolf is coming out. He's like, hey, mom. What a weird, weird trailer. And I, you know, I don't expect anything different from m night i'm worried about this movie just because it's it's kind of like the ones that like i fell for before you know what i mean like with like the village and i'm like oh this is gonna be good and then i'm gonna watch it and i'm gonna hate it but he's in my mind he's been doing pretty well since you know we did a whole m night episode like he's been getting better and i feel like this is gonna be good i I don't know. I'm on the fence if I'm going to read Sandcastle before the movie, but I might read it before. But I think it looks good, man. I'm I'm excited for for old. I'm excited for. I never thought I'd say it as like non superhero movies where I can just like turn my critic cap off and just enjoy it. This is one that I'm I'm looking forward to, and uh, it's kind of like Wandavision. These kids are growing fast. Maybe uh, Mephisto is going to be in this one too. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm really excited. I, you know, I've said it before. I'm an M Night fan. Unlike you, I love the Village, but I agree with you. This last couple one, you know, he kind of made his uh, resurface when he made the visit. Yeah, that was a good one. And you know, he he kind of took a break because of uh, I think before that was what After Earth with Will Smith, and yeah. you know he he took a little break and then kind of got back to his roots. And yeah, and made reboots or not reboots sequels. Yeah, you know, which is fine. I'm fine with those. That Unbreakable trilogy was fantastic. 
I think, you know, he kind of got back on the map and now he's like, oh, now this isn't a story. You know, the last time he had didn't make a movie or he made a movie that wasn't written by him was After Earth. The movies he, yeah, the movies he makes that aren't written by him are After Earth and Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, both duds. But After Earth was doomed from the beginning when Will Smith was like, I'm only doing this with my son. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, this isn't the pursuit of happiness. This is weird. Yeah. It was like 80,000 years after that. I'm just excited to see it, and I'm I'm hoping it's creepy and twisty and mysterious. I think we'll get that. I think it's based off an acid trip. That's what I'm just going to go with right now. But let's get to the final trailer, which is probably my favorite trailer of the entire game. Might be my favorite commercial of the entire game. Because the commercial Kelsey sucked. Co- yeah, oh, they were bad, except for that Edward Scissor or Edgar Scissorhands one. Yeah, oh, I love that one. Chelsea was cooking right before right before this commercial, and I was I freaked out. I was like, "Charles, come on!" And she almost like burned herself, and I felt terrible. But it's the Falcon <laughs> and Winter Soldier. They have a trailer, and they gave us a Disney's man. They're smart. They gave, they paid five million dollars for that, and they're like, "Yeah, it's it's only twenty seconds, but we got a two minute trailer on on YouTube." So I watched that and the two minute trailer on YouTube, and ironically, I didn't know that the Falcon and Winter Soldier sit like we sit when we podcast together, knees interlocked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all that the people are talking about. Everyone's like, "Oh, why are they sitting like that?" And I think that they're missing a lot of things in in this trailer. This trailer was beautiful this is mcu at its best this is gonna this is something that's bringing people back into it if they were already kind of weirded out by wandavision and this marks the 10th year that sebastian stan's been in the mcu that's crazy it is crazy so what do you think of this trailer this was a 10 out of 10 for me my friend yeah it looks great you know we knew it was coming but we get to see baron zemo and he's he's like the true Baron Zemo that you know me and you know from the comics, yep. and Daniel Brühl was great in yep. Civil War, but he didn't look like Baron Zemo. You know, we see him. We don't see the full look, but we see him with the mask in his hand, and he puts the mask on, and that's it. And I'm great for that. I'm grateful that we know what's coming, but we didn't see what it looks like yet. Yeah, me too. The action looks great. The chemistry between Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie is unbelievable. They're not even acting. I feel like no. this is just Sebastian and Anthony just having fun. And and the thing is, like, we've met them way before, you know, they blew up. They were, they were blown up before we met them, but this was before they blew up in the MCU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. You, you, you remember Papa Doc? Come on now. Yeah. Everybody from the 313. But, you know, it was this was, what, just after Winter Soldier. You know, just when we didn't know what the mcu was going to bring and we met them and they had great chemistry just in real life so you can see you can see that translate to the screen which is great you know to see them interact and like i said the action was amazing yeah um i like the spruce ups of the costumes yeah uh the falcon's wings are now more bird-like as opposed to like robotic like in it looks like he got an upgrade mid trailer mm-hmm. Sebastian stan still has his uh wakandan arm which is dope we see Emily Van Camp, Agent Thirteen's back. Yep. We see, like you said, Baron Zemo. We didn't see Batrock. We know that he's no. back in this with George St. Pierre reprising his role. We see U.S. Agent, which is going to be dope. It kind of seems like uh, Captain America is dead. Did you see that? Did you get that nod? I saw that, 
I'm thinking maybe they're just saying he's dead. Yeah. Well, they have to. Like, we're, th- there's no, you know, there's there's a new Captain America running around as U.S. agent. Yeah. So there's got to be a reason for that. Like, also, too, look at him. He is, what, 85 years old? Yeah, he's too and, old to be lifting any shields. I'll tell you that. And then also, what are they going to say? He went back in time to save save the universe, and then afterwards, then went back in time and stayed there. Like, how are they going to tell people that? Yeah, um, I think they're just going to say he was blipped. Yeah. Or he died in the Battle of Thanos. Yeah. Which is fine. And like, this all could just there's the Sokovian Accords still. Like, that could all violate everything, and we don't know what's going to happen post you know sokovian accords and post one division at this point but this comes out march 19th this is our next after show what is it and uh one division ends the week before or two weeks before and then two weeks before yep and then this goes right into it so i'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to it it looks great me too and we got to see the first or maybe the second look at uh your girl erin kellyman as flag smasher yeah infus nest yep she looked great. I'm excited for that. Um, I know that there's a, a Mockingbird or a Songbird tease in it. And an X-Men filming site, that, that futuristic city that we saw in the beginning is from X-Men. But I'm very pumped for that. Uh, be ready for Tinfoil Hat with Jim because uh, I'm going to go all <laughs> out. It's Captain America, so you know exactly where I'm going to be with that. But 10 out of 10 for me. We'll talk about that more when we do our Falcon Winter Soldier preview. But Chuck, we're going to move from the trailer park. Because we spent a lot of time there today, and we're going to move into my picks of the week. And there are three of them, uh, one of which is a number five in a new in a series that we love, and the other two are brand new. And the number five is obviously Commanders in Crisis, number five by Steve Orlando and David Tinto. Big news coming out of Steve Orlando. He's making his Marvel debut in March. He's doing a Man Thing uh, special, and then he's writing some Magneto stuff, which is going to yeah. be super dope so we will definitely be talking about that and possibly be talking to steve about that depending on his schedule because he's been a busy boy but there's a new story arc for commanders in crisis ken frontier saved the crisis command after a secret from her past shatters their trust as her team struggles to find the meaning vicious attacks mount from new enemies with empathy dead act two of the event that births the universe kicks off as frontier faces thunder woman electric inspiration itself i will tell you that i've read this already and it's i keep saying this it's like wandavision every issue gets better and i feel like he's found his groove and this is if you're going to read any commanders in crisis always start with number one but this is a good place to pick up because this is going to be amazing another one from image is called radiant black i picked this one specifically because i think you might like this okay all right it's for fans of Invincible, which we're getting in March. I can't wait. That would that was actually going to be our next uh, after show, but now you know Falcon and Winter Soldier. We might have to do two double duty. Uh, but for fans of Invincible and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, comes a brand new ongoing series from acclaimed writer Kyle Higgins and artist Marcelo Costo or Costa that reinvents superheroes for a new generation. Nathan Burnett has just turned thirty. You and I can both remember that day, right? Yeah. We remember we turned 30. And get this. This sounds like this honestly sounds like my life a little bit. And things aren't going great. He's working and he's failing at two jobs. When I was 30, I was working like three jobs. His credit card debt is piling up. I've been there. And his only move is moving back home with his parents. But when Nathan discovers and unlocks the Ithril comic 
or cosmic radiant, he's given the power to radically change his fortunes. There's just one problem. The powers don't belong to him, and the cosmic beings who created them want them back by any means necessary. Futuristic superhero comic series where the superhero is a grown man. What do you think about that? great it's like us or something like you said it's like something happened and we found something like oh we're superheroes now yeah listen i'm i'm always on like craigslist looking for like weird scientific experiments i want powers (laughs) i don't know how many times i've been bit by a spider hoping that i would be spider-man i just welcome it at this point yeah like Uh, i put him in the microwave and tell him to bite me (laughs) he might die first yeah he's dead by then yeah, it, it sounds cool. You know, it sounds like something right up a rally. It sounds different because, like you said, a lot of times when superheroes origin is like teenager, and you know, here here's a uh, down on his it's luck a, adult. It's a loser, a loser getting superpowers. That I'm gonna read this. Like the one thing Image is missing is superheroes. They have Invincible, obviously. They have Spawn. Yeah. And they have Commanders in Crisis now. This is perfect. They can build that whole universe around that, and they can have an entire crossover where Spawn invades Commanders in Crisis, and Invincible comes to help. Oh, be so I'm writing I'm writing the future, but that would sound amazing. Yeah. So more if this wasn't a busy week for comics, I know we've got like ninety thousand more future state stuff coming out. Would you have picked this one up and given it a shot? Yeah, maybe. All right. Well, you know, let's hope. In two weeks, when you're not dropping $85,000, it's still there. Let's go to Marvel. This guy's getting a movie. It was already delayed. It's coming out in November, I believe, and that's Morbius, Bonds of Blood. It might have been delayed until 2022. I can't remember if it was delayed twice, but Morbius, Bonds of Blood by Ralph Macchio. Again, not Danny LaRusso, but Ralph Macchio and Tom Riley. Morbius, the living vampire, faces a ghost from his past. His first kill... Emil Nikos was Morbius's research partner until the bloodlust made Emil the first victim to Morbius's vampire vampiric urges. Now Emil's son is dying from a new rare blood disease, and only Morbius can save him. But at what cost? Did you pick up Man Bat last week? I forgot. Okay. Are you picking up Morbius? Bonds, uh, brothers of blood, bonds of blood. Probably not. I I okay. should have picked up Man Bat. Man Bat, you know, I'm I'm more of a Man Bat fan than I am a Morbius fan. But this would have been a great two weeks for you to compare and contrast which bat vampire person was better. True. Yeah, but there's always time. Comics are always going to be there, my friend. That's why we love Crossroads. They're always going to be there. Yep. But let's dive into the meat and the potatoes of this episode, Chuck. We are going to talk about Milestone Media, which has also gone by and is best known as Milestone Comics. And it was founded in 1993 by artists and writers Dwayne McDuffie, Dennis Cowan, Michael Davis, and Derek T. Dingle. The mission of Milestone was to represent the minority community that was severely underrepresented in American comics. When the comics launched, all of their characters, and we will go over a lot of their characters in this episode, all of their characters were set in or were set in the Dakotaverse, referring to a Midwestern fictional city called Dakota. Before launch, Dwayne McDuffie and other creators created a backstory Bible for all of their characters in the Dakotaverse. Have you ever heard of anybody doing that? No, it's crazy. It's uh, it's kind of like very Tolkien-like. 
how yeah. he, you know, created languages and different backgrounds for these characters. And, you know, you don't hear that in comics, though. I feel like that's important, though. Like, Oh, totally. When, when, I, when I was doing my research, and there's a great, like, mini do, uh, documentary on YouTube from Sci-Fi Wire about Milestone Comics. I represent, uh, I recommend everybody watch that. But when I was watching that, I, or when I heard it, I was like, this is what you do. This is how you start a universe. You you center it around these characters, and if somebody new, you hire somebody new, they have source material besides reading 900 issues. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if Marvel did a new Black Panther, you have thousands of issues that you have to get through to get to where you're at now. So if you have this Bible, you can say like this is the morals, this is where they're from, this is the important stuff, and you can always update it. I thought that that was really cool. But they went one step further, Chuck. They also created history and geography of Dakota, and Dennis Cowan provided sketches of all characters to serve as a guide for other artists that came onto Milestone Comics. These guys were thinking ahead. They were way ahead of their time, um, and I know this. I, I've read their story, and I know their story, and I know it doesn't end well, but it kind of felt like when, if I was going to this with fresh eyes and fresh ears, kind of felt like they were set up for greatness. Yeah. And they were they, there was no room for failure, but uh, we'll get to that. And this would help the launch process, having the Bible and the guides and all that was great. Milestone was launched under DC Comics, but did not fall under their editorial control. Unlike other companies, and if you go back to our Shazam episode, like Fawcett Comics, Milestone kept copyright, merchandising, and license licensing deal all um, over all of their characters. It's a very George Lucas play. Yeah, definitely. They, you know, they wanted freedom and, you know, they needed someone to distribute and basically put their stamp on it, but yep. they didn't want them taking all control. Yeah. And it's crazy like that DC allowed that Yeah, because what we know about DC is they just go out there and they poach Yeah, Superman, Green Lantern at one point. Shazam. Shazam. Yeah, like all those early characters were poached. And again, Batman and Bill on Hulu. Watch that for all the backstory about Batman's creators. That was crazy. So we know DC business-wise has been a little shysty. Seems like from the 30s to the 90s, they got their shit together. Yeah. Well, yeah, and until now <laughs> uh, because now we're in a whole mess. Uh, the deal with DC had its uncomfortable moments. Here we go, more uncomfortableness. Uh, milestone stories were way more edgier than the 90s comics that dc was putting out oh yeah um there there was an instance that there was an episode or an issue of static shock where static was kissing his girlfriend on a bed and there were unopened condoms in visible sight so it made dc uncomfortable and one of the creators from milestone thought it made it uncomfortable because it was a black character as opposed to if the same thing were happened on comics, which it had happened with white characters. So Milestone Media said, you know what? We'll fix the problem. So they covered it up and it all was happy, right? Then came the comics crash of the 90s. So in 1993, the comic market became overrun with, the, with new universes. In 1992, Image had just launched. Valiant was introducing their big characters, Ninjak, Bloodshot, all that. And the other big two were killing Superman, focusing on X-Men, and developing films and animated series. This led to that comic crash that I was talking about, and that did not benefit Milestone. Milestone became a product of circumstances, 
as they were the new kids on the block that was already overran with more new kids on the block. Milestone was also wasn't uh, picked up by most comic readers because they felt that they were black stories specific for black readers, which was entirely untrue. When we talk about their characters, like not all their characters are black. A small amount of their characters are black, but a lot of their characters are not black. Uh, And comic readers thought that those stories wouldn't hit home and they wouldn't interest them. And most comic book shops said, well, they're not going to interest my readers. I'm not going to put them on our pull list which is unfortunate because, again, we're going to talk about their characters and their dope. So that led to limited exposure. Two years after the launch, Milestone canceled all their low-selling series. They scrapped plans for miniseries, but they launched a series called Heroes with Static Shock, and we're going to talk about Static Shock in a bit, but they launched a series with Static Shock, and they were hoping that that would launch more readers and say, all right, you guys really like this? Here's a new story where... They took all the underrepresented second-tier characters and put them on a team and said, here we go. And then, in 1997, the comics division was shut down, and all focuses went to Static Shock, the animated series, which had already won an Emmy and a Humanitas Award. And now, fast forward to 2010, DC launched the Milestone Forever series that explained the fate of the characters and how they were merged into DC Comics universe. And we'll talk about the ones who were kind of brought into that merger but in regards to that chuck what did you like how much do you know how or how familiar were you with milestone media at the time i wasn't you know when they were launched i was uh, 11 12 years old so it was pure prime uh comic reading um at that age you know i was going to my local comic shop getting dc get more mostly marvel but at that time i wasn't looking into milestone I didn't really come aware from some of their um, characters until the Static Shock cartoon. And even then, I didn't really watch it because by that time, I was 18. Yeah. That came out at, the, at like the, the wrong time for our generation. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, you know, in 2000, I was a junior slash senior in high school, depending. I, I'm not sure where I came out. But, you know, I wasn't sitting there watching a comic cartoon. Uh, I remember seeing it. I remember it being on. But besides that, I wasn't really aware of the Milestone to not a, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I remember them from – I remember their characters, mainly Icon uh, from like the Justice League Unlimited mm-hmm. cartoon series. 93, 97 – 97, I was 10. And I think that was like – I wasn't reading a bunch of comics. I was right in the the midst of like the Pokemon craze or or like Digimon or something. Some Mon was happening. So I wasn't reading um, enough comics to even know about Milestone. I also like I didn't know about any other publishing companies until like the early 2000s. Like I always thought it was Marvel and DC. Like I didn't know about Image, didn't know about Valiant. I knew that they had like I knew these other heroes, but I didn't really understand the, the breakdown of the universes. You know what I mean? Yep. I only knew that Batman couldn't talk to Spider-Man because they weren't friends and they (laughs) didn't know each other. But Milestone, as an adult now, I've read Milestone comics. I don't own any because I haven't found any. Like, I haven't found any in long boxes, and I've been looking. Believe me, I've been looking. I just showed you this weekend. um, I found two Scarlet Witch and Vision comics from the 80s, and I was like, wow, I didn't even know I had these. So 
I'm going to definitely start looking for more Milestone comics, but I wasn't as familiar, and I'm glad that I'm familiar with them now because once we go over to characters, which I'm going to go into now, I love their characters. Yeah. I think some of their characters are better than DC characters and Marvel characters. So let's let's go into the characters, and then we're going to talk about our favorite characters. There's a lot of characters, and there's a lot of teams that have like 37 members. So when I was doing their bios, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to get very congested and boring. But I'm going to say that this is the abridged version. If you want to learn more about these characters, buy their books. Get them on DC Universe Unlimited or whatever it's called now, Comixology. Find these books and read them because these characters are really worth reading. Uh, The first one is Hardware, a.k.a. Curtis Metcalf. He was the first one to be published. And he was a child prodigy who developed a suit equipped with weapons and gadgets in order to take down his boss, who was the leader of a crime underground syndicate. His series ran for 50 issues with an eight-issue series called Hardware, The Man and the Machine that was published in 2010. Then you got the Blood Syndicate. Uh, Coolest name. Yeah, I love that. I think I've heard in comics. And I like that they didn't call them a team or a squad. The Blood Syndicate, which ran 35 issues, is a gang of multicultural superhumans with 14 members. Now, this was early in my research, and I was like, there can't be that many more characters that I'm going to highlight. I wrote down all 14, so bear with me. You have Aquamarie, who was a transmorph of living water, boogeyman who can transform into a giant blonde rat humanoid. I want to see that on any movie or TV show. <laughs> then there's Brick House, who's a 10-foot-tall woman made out of living bricks and took her name from the Commodore's Brick House yeah. song. There's DMZ, who is a mysterious mass character who can fly and is equipped with superhuman strength. There's Dog, Double G, a dog with human-level intellect and speech powers. Fade, a deeply closeted gay man who can pass through solid objects and fly. He also has this weird power that he can spread himself over a time span of three seconds. So, like, he could punch you in the face right now and get out of your house before you even felt it. Yeah. And wonder why it happened. All of thinking about ghosts. So I think Fade's pretty cool. Then there's Flashback, who's Fade's sister. She can fly and can travel back in time three seconds and change to pass. Both of them, there's a weird three-second element there. So I I don't know what that has to do with their backstory, but he can spread himself for three seconds, and she can flash back in three seconds. So maybe they're children of, like, clockmakers. (laughs) I don't know. Then there's Holocaust, who got a name change. And I wonder why he got a name change, but uh, got a name change to Pyre. And uh, you guessed it, Pyrokinetic character who is super strong then there's kwai who is a 77th and final incarnation of a chinese mystical being she is seven feet tall with albino skin and pointed ears and i saw the cover that she's on and she is scary and i uh, i want that cover and then there's masquerade a transgendered man who can shapeshift into all animals and humans there's oro a former cop who, d- who can fly project energy blasts and protect or produce visual displays then there might be my favorite one of the blood syndicate tech nine not the fast rapper but an actual character tech nine has the power of talismanic telekinesis he can materialize guns in his hands and shoot bolts of endless variety of or endless quantities for any gun, and he's got perfect accuracy. Yeah, when I when I was doing research, I saw him. I was like, "This is all one great name." 
Two, yeah. unbelievable power and original power. You don't yeah. hear that anywhere. Yeah, I don't think that would have sold in Marvel and DC in the no. 90s. They were trying to get more popular with their TV shows, and it wasn't blood and guts. Uh, then there's Third Rail, who's unable or who's able to absorb any form of energy and use it to grow. And then there's Wise Son, invulnerable and has super strength. He is a Muslim and was the leader of the crimes or of the Blood Syndicate. And it goes without mentioning, they all gained their powers from an event called the Big Bang. Yeah. So this is their this is their Terrigen Mist. This is their X Men. This is their metahumans. And I'm here for it. Then there's Icon, a character that you may not know the name, but you may know the the face, the suit, the color scheme. He's been in Young Justice. He's been on Teen Titans. He's been on every animated thing that they've had on television. And he goes by the name Arnis, uh, a Terminan Terminin alien who in 1837 crashed in a cotton field in the deep American South. So he was in a pod. The pod that he was in was able to mimic the first sentient life form that saw the pod, and that was Miriam, a slave who adopted Arnis as his son. He grew into adulthood and reclaimed uh, and remained that age till today, and he later became a lawyer named Augustus Freeman IV, and he was a member of the Justice League. And he is your class— He. He is the Superman of this universe, yeah. in my opinion, but with so many more layers, and which is so much more intriguing than just newspaper reporter by day, superhero by night. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he also got a sidekick. He was one of the first ones to get a sidekick, and that's Rocket, who has also been in the animated stuff as well. Her name was Raquel Irvin. And after robbing Icon's home, Rocket later became Icon's sidekick, and with the help from the inertia belt, she was able to manipulate kinetic energy and she later became a member of young justice and the justice league itself and then there was the shadow cabinet a group of superheroes who are sworn to protect the world they're mainly spies and they go this is not i'm not going to read out the santa's reindeers but it starts with blitzen blitzen dharma donner uh, gloria mundi iota iron butterfly mechanic oro from uh blood syndicate payback plus Sideshow, Starlight, and Twilight. Tons of characters there. And then we go into the other main characters who got series. These are all characters that got series, not just like focal characters. Uh, then there's Zombie, XOMBI, David Kim, a scientist who developed a nanotechnological virus capable of tissue regeneration. Cobalt, who might be the most interesting one. I don't know if you read about Cobalt. Yeah. He's a fierce and ruthless vigilante who is believed to be a cannibal by his yeah. villains. Um, I love I love everything about that. And then there's some supporting characters like Deathwish, who's a psychotic vigilante who's obsessed with sex crimes. Technique, reprise, transmit, harm, and buckwild. And Technique is a character who is um, tied to hardware and uh, also fit it for could be perfect for a movie uh we'll do a little more time we're gonna dive deeper into these characters in another episode but again this is the abridged version and then that leads us with i i'm gonna say the golden child the favorite child like the focal point the reason why a lot of people know about milestone comics and that static shock yeah uh virgil ovid hawkins and he's a metahuman with powers and when i say he's the golden child I'm going to read this, and this next paragraph is all of his powers. Electromagnetic phenomena generation and manipulation. 
force fields, electroreception, electrocommunication, flight via his disc plate, scientific, a great scientific mind, expert strategist, telepathy or technopathy, regenerative, regenerative healing, electricity and lightning empowerment, magnetic empowerment, electrician or electronic disruption, psionic immunity, manipulation of subatomic particles and data manipulations. He was a member of Heroes, Justice League, Star Labs, Teen Titans, Young Justice, The Shadow Cabinet, and The Outsiders. And he got his powers very similar to how Daredevil got his senses heightened. Uh, he was doused with a chemical in a gang war that gave him his powers. He was their Spider-Man. He was their Batman. He was their golden boy. When it comes to these characters, Chuck, who would you say is their best character and your favorite character? Uh, their best and my favorite probably isn't the same because their best obviously is probably Static Shock. He's the most yeah. bankable, the most commercial, the most relatable. You know, a lot of comics, even though we're adults that read them, a lot of times they gear towards kids. You can't gear Blood Syndicate towards child. I wish they would. Uh, me too. I would. I would love to see a Y Seven Death Wish series where he's just hunting down child rapists. You know. Static Shock is, like you said, they're Spider-Man. And that's probably their best character. My favorite, I really like Icon. Yeah, uh, we have the exact same too. Static Shock <laughs> because they they had so much time to perfect him. Yeah. They had, so the comics again launched in 93. So they had from 93 to 97 to work on Hardware, Blood Syndicate, Icon, Rocket, all these characters, right? From 97 to today, they've been focusing on Static Shock. Yeah. So he got up, you know, he's, again, the favorite child. He's the Macaulay Culkin of the Culkins. He got the most attention. However, Icon, I feel like, could have been, had there been more time, I feel like Icon could have been the best character that they had going forward. His storyline, there's so many layers to it. And you go from 1837, 1839 to today, you're covering a big span of you know, of history and also period pieces sell. Icon could have started in the 1800s, season one. Season two could have been in the 1900s. It could have been very Wanda Vision, right? Season three could have gone into the 1960s, mm-hmm. 1970s and 80s around that. And then season four and five could have been here. Like that's that writes itself. And it's amazing that the CW hasn't latched on to these characters. But yeah, the. And with Icon, like, the first time I remember him, he was, they didn't really show, they showed him, but he wasn't, have, didn't have, a, like, a big part in it, but he was in the death of Superman. Yep. And I remember yep. that, because I was like, who is this guy? Yeah, he, like, he, the problem is, with with Icon is, he looks like other characters that they introduced. He does. You know what I mean? He looks like our man. He looks like JSA characters, and he just kind of sits in the background. You know, he's he's very, like, Guardian, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. where you're watching all these animated shows, and they're in the background doing nothing. Like, what's Bumblebee doing there? She's not even talking. She's just sitting in the background chatting at the water cooler. So, like, Bumblebee, Guardian, Icon, Rocket, they were all just pushed to the back, and their stories are better than the characters who are highlighted. But I'm glad, you know, we're going to talk about the future of Milestone yeah. Media. I'm glad that they're back. We know that they're back, and I'm very excited about that. I just don't know when they're back. Yeah. Uh, we saw, you know, we saw them at uh, DC Fandom, and they teased their 
they're coming back, but we don't know when, and we'll talk about that in a bit. We're going to build a MSCU, Milestone Cinematic Universe, and we're going to take five characters to start with. Which five did you pick? First, I went with, I, I kind of teamed them together because their team is Icon of Rocket. I did the same. So, obviously, I really like Icon, so I think he is their best bet for a movie. And if you have Icon, you got to have Rocket. Yep. Uh, then I went with Hardware. Because I think I think that's an easy story to transition into a movie, especially yeah, the templates there with Iron Man. Yeah, and especially with the technology today, it is capable. Like if they try to make a movie in '97, it would have been cheesy. It would have looked like steel. With, oh my god! With Shaq, remember that? And probably would have started cool. Shaq. Um, yeah, it, I mean, there's still a chance to star Shaq. Yeah. He's on everything now. You know. With the technology today, they could make a really, really cool hardware movie. Yeah, they really can. It could be amazing. And then you kind of alluded to this, but I think they could do a spinoff with Technique. Yeah, Technique's dope. Like, a really cool character who is tied into, like, defeat hardware. Yeah. And, like, showed, mm-hmm. like, at some, at one point, hardware just became more machine than man. And technique came in there and saw made him see humanity. Like that's what I love about these stories. They're not just your cookie cutter. My parents died in an alley. I need to get, kill the clown, or my wife's a reporter and she gets more screen time than me. Yeah. And another reason is one: there's not a lot of representation of female superhero movies. Two: there's no African American female superhero movies. No. So. You know, yeah, we got a lot in Black Panther, and we're going to get a Black Panther TV show and then a sequel, but we're not getting, you know, a single version of a black female hero. Yeah, there's no Vixen storyline no. coming out. There's no Nubia. You know, it's there's no representation. No. All right, so you have three, yep. right? Uh, four, it would be Zombie. Oh, yeah, XOMBI? Yeah, I... I I didn't know how to pronounce it. Then you said zombie. I was like, oh, I guess that's how it is. I'm going with zombie. I could be, it could be called Oambi, but I'm going zombie. <laughs> I think it's really cool. And also, too, like you were alluding, they're not all black. Like, this is an Asian American. Yeah. This could, dude, this could, re- if they made this, it could absolutely shit on Bloodshot. Totally. Because it's <laughs> kind of what it is. Yeah. But I think it sounded really cool. And then the other one. It's not really a character, but I would love a Blood Syndicate movie. Yeah. And yeah, me too. Like, out of everything, like, Blood Syndicate, like, I'm attracted more to that because I'm always attracted to, like, bad guys and the evil side of everything. And the fact that this is a gang, like, they're not heroes. And, you know. No, they're metahumans just doing their thing. Yeah. I think a Blood Syndicate, because, like, one of the things that I really want, I want a Legion of Doom movie. Like, I would love that. I like, I want to see a team of non-superheroes. And Blood Syndicate is perfect. Well, Blood Syndicate has the potential of being what Suicide Squad wanted to be. Yeah. And we, you know, James Gunn is finished shooting Suicide Squad, the next one, and he said that WB hasn't really meddled, which which is great. That could be a lot of, like, pumping the pillow of WB and, like, saying, you guys are really great. I want to work for you more. But... I if they make a blood, I so I'll give you mine. 
Um, I'm surprised that Static Shock didn't make your top five of movies. Um, he made mine. I feel like you start with Static Shock and you get everybody excited because he's their bankable character. And we know that they're working on something. So that would be the start. That's why I didn't say it because I know it's coming. Yeah, I like um, – I know a lot of people have like cast it. We'd cast it actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Tyrell, uh, Tyrell Jackson Williams. Then I went with Icon and Rocket, mm-hmm. Hardware, Cobalt, <laughs> because I want to see a Mechanical. superhero killing people and eating them. I want to see that. And then I don't know if this counts, but I want DC to make a trade for cash considerations. I want DC to give Black Lightning to Milestone Media. Yeah. And I want Black Lightning to get the the fair treatment that it's deserved. Yeah. And I would love Black Lightning to have a movie. You can keep Cress Williams. You can keep everybody and just give them a bigger budget, and that would kill. That would be absolutely amazing. And then I picked two TV series, and that would be Shadow Cabinet and Blood Syndicate. Yeah. HBO Max. Oh, 100%. Because yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's a CW show. No, they're, they're rated R. And a lot of their stuff is a... You know, besides the static shock, a lot of their stuff is going to be geared towards the mature audience. Yep, absolutely. And for a good reason. It's not like it's gratuitous violence. They they touch on stuff that you can't show on cable. Yeah. So let's talk about the future. Michael B. Jordan is set to produce, I know he's your favorite, back-to-back weeks. <laughs> he's set to produce a static shock movie. In my mind, it would be perfect. it's a perfect time for it. Uh, the hype never died for the character. And even through cancellations and these brief cameos, everybody has been clamoring for either a sequel to the series or a live-action movie. Actors want to get behind it. Michael B. Jordan has the peak of his career right now, and he's getting behind it. What do you think about the Static Shock movie in the works? I think that's the best thing for them right now is to bring out Static Shock. And then if this is successful, which hopefully it is, you bring out your other characters. You ban- you use your most bankable star. Easy. Yeah. And, you know, there's no one else that is more bankable than him in in the milestone. And I'm assuming it would probably be a WB movie. Now, would you, if you were the director, right, the writer and the director of this, would you introduce another hero through a cameo? Kind of what Bloodshot was supposed to do? I, I, I think you should. Maybe not a huge character or a huge part in the movie. Um, okay. But I, I, I think you need to introduce more characters to this because they have so many. They're not well known. So if you're going to roll it out, roll it out with your biggest bankable character and it'll get people excited like, okay, you know, here's Icon or whatever. You know, he's a lawyer and, you know, uh, Static Shock needs a lawyer or somehow they cross paths. That's how you introduce yeah. him. Because then yeah, I thought, it's easier that way because then it's not like, okay, here's a Static Shock movie. And by the way, we're making an Icon movie, but you have no idea who he is. Yeah. I thought the right way would be like introducing Rocket Okay, at the end and saying like, listen, dude, like you're, I like what you're doing, but you're not alone. I got someone you want to meet. Yeah. And they bring it like that's your tease to get into Icon or you get Wise Son at the end of it and say, listen, man, again, you're not alone. We want you on the team, and it's the Blood Syndicate, and it goes coming soon. Blood Syndicate, boom, or writes itself because like that name itself is gonna have people researching what the hell Blood Syndicate is. 
It's the most it's the most badass name in comics. Yeah. It's it's not you know I, it's right up there with Gore the God Butcher. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that that's the I'm on board for the Static Shock. I, I never would have ever not been on board. I love Static Shock. I love that series. I love him in Young Justice. I, the Outsiders I love all that. So I'm excited for that. And again, Michael B. Jordan, bankable name, bankable money, bankable face. His Alexa ad on, on the big game oh. had me dying. Had me dying. And I don't even think it was just him. I think it was the husband responding to Alexa. That was the best part. And he was like, he's every husband. He's every husband if Michael B. Jordan walks into the door. But let's go to the future. Again, DC Fandom, Milestone Media, all the guys were there. Phil Lamar was there. Yeah. Mark uh, Mark Bernardin was there. And they were talking about the future. And they said, you know, we are coming back. We're going to do something. We're going to do a digital comic on DC.com, which eventually turned into DC Universe Infinite. We're doing that. We're doing this. We're working on series. We're working on that. In your opinion, why should people be reading Milestone comics? Because they're different. Because they're not like your everyday superhero, especially you know if you're an adult like like we are. Um, if if you don't want the kitty Teen Titans or stuff geared towards children, if you're looking for a more mature read, I think this is perfect because and not a. And like I said, they are completely different. Like they're darker. Like you said, what hero do you have that's a cannibal? You know, uh, all of them. Uh, the answer should be all of them, <laughs> but they're none of them. But and and then that's the thing. Like you know, if you and we've talked about this, you know, a hundred times. A lot of times, these characters between Marvel and DC are copycats of each other. And then the only one that I see that's kind, you know, obviously it's taken is Icon. You know, Icon can be looked as the Black Superman. But everything else is so original and so different that that's why I think people should get into these milestone comics. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, their stories aren't magical and uplifting. No. <laughs> and so, sometimes you need to kind of resonate. Like the, the stories need to hit home and you need to be able to resonate with the stories. And these you know, these topics talk, talk about racism. They talk about uh, discrimination because of your gender, your sexual orientation. They have, they're so inclusive. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the first comic series, comic publishing company that I know of that introduced a transgender character and multiple transgender characters in the 90s. Yeah, and that was unheard you know what I mean? of. And, and they have gay characters. They have people of every color are represented in this. And I think that that is a, is a beautiful thing. And they touch on even more hard-hitting stuff. There's one of their superheroes is a crackhead. <laughs> and rocket comes in and does an intervention you know we saw a little bit of that in the comics with roy and heroin yeah and then tipper gore was like oh no that can't happen and they you know we can't do that now but they really touched on everything it wasn't your cookie cutter everything's going to be fine we're going to walk to our picket our house with the picket fence and we're going in there and our wife and our kids and our dog are all happy and i got a 401k that i can cash in like some of these people are like i'm homeless like, I'm doing this because I'm homeless, and if I stop, someone's going to kill me. So I, I love that. It Everybody thinking that it was only for black people is ridiculous. Like, they give a voice to every single person. Like I said, this is a, a comic company that is 100% about inclusion, and it, it's never too late to learn about new characters. No, not at you all. Know, th that's the beauty about what we do is we take characters that you've heard of, but we haven't done deep dives in, or we haven't done it in a while, and we learn more about it. So... I'm a big fan of learning. I feel like if you're just stagnant in life, 
and you don't learn new things every day, you're boring. You're not, you're not the person I want to talk to if we're at a party. Mm-hmm. So I like to learn new things. So learning about new characters and new his, like histories of, of companies, I love all that stuff. And then my final thing is what I'll say is some of these characters are better than your favorite characters currently. Yeah. You know, I love Green Arrow, Captain America, all these people. But if I came down to which one would tell a better story... I feel like some of these characters in Milestone Media would tell a better story. Yeah, I agree. But but that's just me, Chuck, and that's for the world to decide because that's our episode. I'm curious to see what are what you, the audience, who your favorite character is. Is this something that you would love to see come back? Did Milestone Media just suffer from the circumstances of the times and launching at the wrong time? What do you think of this? Uh, hit us up activegeekproductions at gmail.com you can hit us up on Instagram taking a little bit of a social media hiatus so if you DM us I'll get to it when I can but that's it man next week we're going to come back and we've got a Valentine's Day episode yeah we do put some Barry uh, White on and no we're not going to because we can't afford Barry White (laughs) what we're going to do is we're going to sit like Winter Soldier and Falcon and we're going to podcast together and talk about We've got a lot of fun stuff. This might be the most bro episode we've ever had. (laughs) Uh, But we're also going to talk about some news because on this episode, there wasn't a lot of news. We're going to talk about a casting rumor surrounding our boy Keanu Reeves. Yes. We're going to talk about some Dungeons and Dragons castings, two big castings. And then we're going to talk about a huge Black Panther rumor. And we're going to see a trailer for an animated movie from DC Comics, which looks, in my mind, super dope. So come back next week. Thank you for listening to this week. You can follow us on social media, the Active Geek Podcast, on all social media platforms. We're on tons of podcast distribution sites, so you can follow us there. If you're on Apple Podcasts, it would be great if you could leave a five-star review. That means a lot for us going forward, getting guests, getting press passes, all that. So we would love if you could do that. If you're a podcast, uh, write your name at it at the bottom of it, and I will write a review. We'll go review for review. That'd be fantastic. Follow Chuck on Instagram. He needs more followers. God damn it, <laughs> Chuck underscore Chuck underscore the Active Geek on Instagram. Ag Cosplay, a great cosplayer who could use more followers as well. So that's on Instagram as well. We have another podcast every Monday. It's called the Galaxy Wars Podcast. We just reviewed Soul, which was a, an eye-opening movie for me. So you can check that out. Chuck and I will be back on Saturday for our Wanda Watch. Yeah. Episode 6 breakdown that we're super excited about. And you've heard it here. We have two new shows possibly coming out with the Invincible Afterwatch and then the later-to-be-named Falcon and Winter Soldier Watch. But we got those. Will we talk about them? We'll eventually talk about them. But support (laughs) us on wherever you possibly can. Thank you for listening again. We'll see you next week for the Active Geek Podcast. I am Jim. I am Chuck. And we are out.